Hey, Danger Dangers here with a quick announcement. The nomination window for the 2024 Crit Awards closes on May 31st, and it would mean the world to us to have your help getting on the ballot. A link to the nomination form, as well as a document with some of our suggested responses, is in the episode description. But that being said, please feel free to vote for whichever shows you are most passionate about. Thank you for listening, and now, back to the show. Hi. I'm Danger Dangers. So, to celebrate the new year, the D and Dark crew wanted to do a little bit of a retrospective and look back on our first 10 episodes and first couple of months. So we um, all got together for a little party and celebration shortly after Christmas, and it was the first time that the entire crew could all be together in one place. Um, and we just kind of on the spot decided to do a little impromptu group interview. So we um, busted out a microphone and all gathered around a table after having a couple of drinks and just sort of shared our thoughts and feelings on the show so far. Since it was impromptu, it was a little more messy. It was just kind of in the middle of a living room. There's a fair amount of background noise. Um, I did a tiny little bit of light editing on this one, but it is mostly untouched. The editing is mostly just to get rid of noisier party sounds, and um, the music of Chopin will be underscoring this entire audio in order to drown out the Christmas music that is playing in the background that we do not have cleared. So I hope you enjoy, and we'll let the group as a whole take it away from here. So this is going to be our um, our New Year's special. So hello oh. and welcome to 2023. Yes. Thank you. So we are all meeting together in person for the first time. We're relatively spread out. Most of us are within the same state. Erin, who is our Phantom of the Opera, is in a different state it's than the, the rest of us. Oh, wait, where are you from? Yeah. I'm up in Washington. <gasps> I live in Seattle. Oh, and you came down for this? Absolutely. I'm okay. so sorry. Oh, or anything. No, no. <laughs> I literally thought all of us, at least, like, like yeah, said, yeah. we all live in the same state. So I'm like, oh, cool. We all get to see each other. Because I think it's like, because we live, like, kind of spread out, it's just going to take too long for us to drive to one person's house or another person's house. So screw it. We'll just all play online. Make life easier. I don't know. One of us live two states above. Yeah. yeah. Why don't you commute? No wonder he thinks he's better. Care? He's literally on top of all of us. <laughs> you rat. Bastard. <laughs> I can't help it if the rest of you are poor. <laughs> we say as most of us live in the most expensive state in the United States of America. All right, so now that we've got everybody all in one place, let's do a little bit of a retrospective on our first handful of episodes. By the time this comes out, everything from Oxford on is spoilery. We can venture into that territory if you guys want, but we're going to want to preface any of that with spoiler warnings. Spoilers <laughs> everything and werewolves. Before... <laughs> so just as like an under the hood thing, we are about five or six episodes ahead of what's released. We meet more or less every week to record these, and it takes me a pretty decent delay to get these out. He's uh, a professional. Yeah. yeah. He's got to make them goop. I, I hesitate to say we have lives. I know a lot of us don't. Aaron does. We all do. Thank you. Aaron. <laughs> so uh, you can blame the Phantom of the Opera for the delay on these releases. <laughs> he does have to be the main character. Mm-hmm. That's true. So oh, before yeah. I start rolling, yes. I'm Danger Dangers. And I am generally the host and crypt keeper. I don't know who is hosting this round table at this point. <laughs> it's kind of a free for all. Yeah. But uh, I play the etc. So I'm uh, gonna start calling the end of the world the etc. Is etc. Yeah, etc. <laughs> I would have said like Marlo, Maledict. I was gonna Rainer. say we know Marlo's your favorite. You know that Marlo's not my favorite character. <laughs> well, Marlo's my Orlock is my oh, favorite no, character. <laughs> All right, so this is generally a thing that gets cut from all of the recordings, but when we do our recap, we roll a d6 to see like what order we do our recaps in. So I'm going to do a d6 to see who gets to introduce themselves next. So that's a one. Daniel, you're up. You're number one. Hi, I'm Daniel Cruz. I usually play Imhotep the Mami with... Whatever his accent is, I'm 
trying to hammer it down, although it is changing every little bit every so often. Oh, how dare you not have a good accent, Daniel? I wouldn't know anything about that. Or would I? Or I? Or I? Keep going. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Right. Fuck. You got um, ten more characters to get through. Okay. Or I? Or I? And that's how you do that. Or I? Yay! Uh. So, um, I am our team's cleric, so I am the healer slash the secondary tank, and as of where we're released, I'm Anamru. Anamru is my race. As of as of <laughs> where we're mean. released, wink, wink, nudge, cool. nudge. Um, are there any insights that you want to share about your character, like your general headspace, what your kind of goal is, anything like that that you want to share? I guess getting into his headspace is that, like, all of the characters... Aside from Carmilla, are all very, very young. Even Carmilla, who's probably like, what, four or five hundred years old? Yeah. Probably around there. Is a baby compared to Imhotep. So he's just like, so every time that he's like off being aloof, it's just like, ah, yes, everything is so weird and I do not like it. I do not vibe with this reality. <laughs> Technically, the children baby yeah. Mary. That's true. Mary's the yeah. baby. That's, really that's true. You know what? Screw the dice. Uh, ben, you're next. Oh shoot. Okay. Hi, I'm Ben Magnet. I play Mary Frankenstein, the Frankenstein monster. I am a barbarian flesh golem, and that's pretty much all I got. <laughs> no, I'm just like the I'm the t- I'm the tank. I am the dude who likes to go headfirst into a fight and just beat the ever-loving crap out of things. Ben, do you want to come up with a plan? No, I'm going to go punch it. (laughs) That's the plan. Pretty much, yeah. Punching is the plan. It even starts with a P. Exactly. (laughs) What are you going to do? I'm going to punch him. What are you going to do after that? Punch him some more. Mm. What if they go down? Punch him on the ground. That being said, as the um, as the baby of the party, yeah. at a good this many years old, I'm holding up two fingers. <laughs> yeah. What do you want to share, if anything, about your character's headspace and um, like generally what's informing some of your decisions, what some of your goals are, um, things of that nature? Okay, so what's normally in Mary's headspace? Okay, it's a little bit of backstory. So as far as Mary can remember, he's been reviled and revolted by society. He has a deep hatred of um, the church, specifically for something that happened in his backstory, which is probably going to come up in future sessions. I don't know. Spoiler. Spoiler. He does know. (laughs) (laughs) And the fact that he's surrounded by people who don't revile him, who don't hate him, um, because the way I was trying to build this character is partially from the film and also from the book. Like, the first name is the derivative of the author of Frankenstein, Mary Shelley. Mm-hmm. So, essentially what's going through his headspace now is he is doing his damnedest to make sure everyone gets out alive, so that that means he has to go headfirst into danger. He's gonna do it. Like, when um, we went and fought Vorenberg, I'm like, cool, fight him, because this guy is gonna hurt my newfound friends. And even two, three of us became what we're now unofficially calling the three best friends. <laughs> it's actually pretty Tres official. Amigos. You can find the merch at www.thetreebestfriends.com. <laughs> All right, Dan. Damn it, now I have to buy that URL. <laughs> yeah, so, so essentially protect everyone. Because everyone wants to fight him. He's like, if I have to be the shield, I will be the shield. So that's a lot of the times where when I'm, I'm playing as Mary Frankenstein, it's like, Okay, I mean, yes, there are times where I do get a little gung-ho into a fight, but at the same time, it's like, I need to protect this group of people around me. Um, I would like to add that the Imhotep is also able to protect everybody around him with his wonderful dump truck ass. (laughs) (laughs) That is Daniel's favorite part about it. It is my favorite thing. Shoulder blade dumpy on my on my you don't understand on my character sheet I definitely put that there oh it's literally called God. shoulder blade dumpy my biggest me. regret as a DM <laughs> really that's your biggest regret my regret is the way that Dan edited that episode made it seem like I came up with the word dumpy <laughs> I was copying Daniel the hit line got cut you said it first no I did not I refuse that is not in my vocabulary until this man over here I'm sorry the final edit does make it so that you are the first person no. who said it that is reality now no. 
No. <laughs> All right. Now to kind of redirect back to uh, the Frankenstein monster. Not sorry. Just a thing that I want to pick your brain about a little bit. Uh-huh. One of the things that I really like about your characterization that I think is really unique to your take on the Frankenstein monster is that you make a point about the genetic and physical makeup of your monster coming from a bunch of different sources and mm-hmm. not really having a solid <laughs> grasp on like what comes from where, what your identity really is. One of the things that you've brought up is like, you don't know whether your brain is a male brain or a female brain, Mm -hmm. what like pieces your heart is coming from, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think is a really interesting take on the character and a really good opportunity to like, really kind of examine what the identity of a character like that really is. I'm trying to remember when exactly I thought about that. Because when we were talking about me playing the Frankenstein monster who was a barbarian, the first thing that came to mind in my mind was I don't want the Frankenstein monster to be this dumb barbarian. Not to say that all barbarian or people who play barbarians play them dumb, but like Grog from Croker Roll was very fresh in my mind, and his character is stupid. But then I, the more I thought about it, it's like because the monster is composed of so many different body parts, and I thought to myself, I mean, I want him to be like smart-ish. But nah, he doesn't have to be book smart, but he can be street smart. Or street smart to the fact that like, he can survive out of nature, he can survive alone, he doesn't have to, he doesn't He doesn't need anyone else to live out off the land. I would like to say my favorite part about Mary Frankenstein is how emotionally wise they are. Because out of all the characters, maybe Larry is a close comparison, but mm-hmm. Mary Frankenstein is really able to cue in on how another character is feeling, get really close and personal with them, know where their boundaries are, and be able to make them feel comfortable and reach out to them and make sure they feel supportive. And I come, I think that comes from a character that stems from being very vulnerable emotionally and not being able to have that close connection. So he's able to see that vulnerability in other characters and really be able to connect and relate on a very like personal, soft level. Yeah which is a wonderful contrast compared to when Mary's defending them. They're so loud and boisterous and combative that he, they have those two sides to them of just the very just soft and gentle and quiet and relatable and then the just loud and protective and defending mm-hmm. side. I just yeah. think that's such a wonderful depth to the character. Yeah, which, they're all right. <laughs> <laughs> which that's actually been a thing that um, Jordan and I have chatted about before. The Frankenstein monster compared to say Imhotep or the Invisible Man is a really good example of wisdom versus intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, the two of them, like those two characters, even though um, Imhotep is a very wisdom forward character, Imhotep presents as very intelligent and very knowledgeable. Old, almost. Um, and now. similar with the Invisible Man. No, it's going to stay that way. It's probably going to stay that way for a while. And in comparison to the Frankenstein monster, it's, it feels like a really good uh, juxtaposition of like where the line is between wisdom and intelligence. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, because for Frankenstein, because I'm also taking track, once again, when I try to get inspiration to play the character, I wanted to draw from both the books and from the, the book and the film. Which meant I watched the Spark Notes version of the book a lot of times. Because <laughs> unfortunately, I didn't have a copy of the book to read, and now I do. But still, it's like I need to think of this stuff quick. So, what can I do to take this and like mold it into this character? So, like one of our sessions, like where I'm talking to um, our Invisible Man, Jack. Do you know, like, what parts am I made of? Did you do work for Victor Frankenstein? Did you do this? Because his whole thing is part of he wants to know who he is. He wants to know what he is. The origin is from the book. He wakes up, he's like an infant. He doesn't know what's going on. His creator reviles him. He just goes into the woods. And when he finally finds someone who gives him true kindness, he learns from that. But then he know he realizes how strong he is. He realizes how his rage can over, can blind him. Because like you were saying, um, he's very, he can read people's emotions because he, he has to. He goes into, if you were to walk into a village square in the middle of broad daylight, torches and pitchforks are plenty. So it's like, <laughs> I gotta get that. And then he's like, yeah, he can, that's why he has to gauge a little bit. He, I mean, he's a softy, but he's not a softy, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah. He's gotta have Absolutely. He's got a chewy center. Yeah, yeah. I, I got, he's got a chewy center, but also he has, he's constantly going through this existential crisis because yeah. there's still, there's still daddy issues there. I mean, <laughs> there, I mean come on. 
which we absolutely will get to eventually. Eventually, yeah. Now, before I roll the dice to move on to another character, because we did such a deep dive on your character, I want to toss it back to Imhotep. I want to give you the opportunity to similarly go deep if there's anything that you want to touch on, too. Um, your character tends to be a lot more aloof and more introspective. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to cue us in a little bit into some of those internal struggles and, like, kind of what's going through his mind at all of these different stages. I kind of touched on it with the first little part where it's like he's so old that everything is new and almost alien to him. It's, it's you know, the idea of, like, science being so advanced is, is might as well be magic. To him, it, it was magic, and he understands now that it's science, but it's still all magic to him. The way that I'm trying to play him, he he's a stranger in a strange land, I think is a really good way to put it, both mm-hmm. in time and in place, because he's from, you know, Egyptish or whatever we're going to call it. <laughs> we're not in England, we're in English, so whatever Egyptish. But it was Mesopotamia. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. He's from Mesopotamia. That's right. Mesopotamia. Uh, he's from Mesopotamia. Um, and he's here in, you know, he's here in Europe. And so he's very much out of his element. Out of everyone, thinking about Emotep, he is the one that seems like his thought process is the most behind the scenes. Everyone else, we at least get some feedback on what they're going through emotionally and what they're thinking about. But we're seeing these like little subtle hints being dropped for Emotep, such as certain books he's picking up, certain things we're learning about him. And since he's so distant from the group, he really seriously feels like the wild card mentally. As a player, I don't know what he's thinking or where he's going to be coming from. Spoil- like tiniest little spoiler warning. There's a thing that's happening in our game right now where Frankenstein, where Mary Frankenstein and Emotep are alone together. And part of me, as a player and as a character development thing, I've been really looking forward to this. Mm-hmm. Because as Mary Frankenstein, he hates all four, he thinks there is no such thing as a god. Mm-hmm. Man created him, he thinks there's a reason for it. You I'm believe in all of So <laughs> I am really looking forward to this theological discussion, Ooh. or at least a sort of theological discussion, because your knowledge of Egyptian gods is bountiful and is so mesmerizing. It's like, man, I, but as Ben, I'm like, man, this is great. And as Mary Frankenstein, it's like, oh, this is going to be some good, this is going to be a good conversation in the future. And I would love to have that soon, or one, someday at least. One thing that I will say is, Larry, I know that for Jordan, mm-hmm. you're always looking like, oh, where's my chance to get in and talk to them? Something want to pick their brain, get their emotions. Yeah. Uh, Imhotep has never actively done that. I have. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, I know the one moment that I remember very specifically, um, we are in the nest mm-hmm. and Emotep goes off alone. To do his thing. Yeah, to do his Emotep. thing. Be a disco uh, ball. Yeah, be a disco ball. <laughs> <laughs> but even after that, I remember seeing your character walk off alone. I'm like, I as a player want to hear Emotep's side of things, but mm-hmm. also Larry really just wants to connect with him. Mm-hmm. So I remembered my intention going into that scene is I'm not going to talk about myself at all. Mm-hmm. I want this to be a moment for Emotep and Daniel mm-hmm. to really be able to talk about the headspace of the character at this moment. So I completely went into that mm-hmm. 101 to be like, I want to hear solely Emotep. Like, what are you thinking? Where are you going? And that's kind of the thing that I'm personally struggling with for the character is finding the balance of like, being aloof and kind of alien versus like, okay, maybe I should like interact with the people I'm playing with and not just be that aloof. I feel there's, you. There's like the joke, there's like the joke of the rope who's like, my backstory is too tragic. I can't talk about it. <laughs> then there's Imhotep, which is like, I'm so old, I can't talk about it. <laughs> and it's like... The children will not. The children will not understand. I mean, his backstory is literally ancient history. Yeah. <laughs> what he means by that is that when I was in college, I spent way too long in these ancient Egypt classes because they counted for all of my grades. I also just after that just became very much interested in ancient Egypt and it's it's been a bit of a bit of a small obsession so when Dan was like here's the backstory I'm like cool we're gonna throw in Akhenaten who's my favorite king because he was crazy mm. you know back to the being aloof thing it's like Daniel wants to kind of not necessarily have him open up but like be able to talk about himself but at the same time like, that's not that's not emotep that's yeah. just not what he's gonna do you're gonna have to pry that stuff out of his cold dead yeah. hands and you know what larry will cry you're welcome <laughs> to cry yeah, 
And I can't promise that I'm always going to be receptive to it. That's okay. But Larry will tell you how he's feeling. <laughs> so you know what, Larry? Tell us how, how you're, you're feeling. feeling. How are you feeling, Larry? Oh, awful all the time. <laughs> Um, uh, everything is awful. <laughs> everything is cruel when you're part of this team. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Oh, wow, a lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is, is I'm awful. in the process of editing that exact episode right now. <laughs> uh, hello, my name is Jordan. I play Larry Talbot, a lycanthropic warlock. Uh, and I guess how Larry is feeling is always very, very bad. His headspace, because before he was cursed, he was just a below average kind of guy and he was sort of comfortable there, but he has notoriously bad luck and ended up getting cursed real, real bad. And then now he's in a constant state of wanting to grow attached to people and connect with people because he's very lonely. But every time it's he... that pack mentality, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but every time he... <laughs> it's because he's a wolf. That's because he's. I got the it. Joke. I got the joke. It's I'm funny. I'm so happy for I'm you. It's very... Finally. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's because he's a deeply tragic character. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jordan. I play Larry Talbot, the like <laughs> <laughs> If you remember me. <laughs> I'm sorry. How could we not? Oh, yeah, shoot. I don't true. know. Because for the most part, Larry's such the baby of the group. He's like, everyone's the. Oh, excuse me, I'm the baby. Actually, yeah. I, no, I know what you mean. I'm Larry's the, the baby. I wouldn't say the baby. I'd say he's the heart. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. for the most part, we've got. Oh, without question. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. But yeah, so Larry Talbot's in a constant state of really trying to find someone to connect to and then realizing as the month goes on. If I connect and grow close with someone, I will inevitably be their end. So he has really a tragic time of really wanting a connection with people and then being their downfall because he has ugh, he has had a lot of death follow him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of connects to his character reacting with all the other characters as really wanting to connect to them as people and on a more emotional level is because he's really... Part of him is super desperate for an emotional connection with others because he just doesn't get that. Right. And now he's finally found a group that might be able to survive his transformations because none of them are just normal people. They all have something with them that makes them... Right, and you kind of have Frankenstein too as your sort of your stopper. Absolutely. There is that emotional conversation that Jordan had been planning for a very long time and then had a wonderful opportunity where Larry asked Mary, who is obviously like the strongest of everybody, of like, I want to lend you my cane because in my head, you're the only one that has the strength to be able to take me down if I transform into a werewolf. Because the last thing I'd ever want in the world is to harm or get anywhere near killing any of you. Mm-hmm. So if that moment happens and he transforms, I want you to be able to stop me. And of course, Mary being the sweetheart he is, is obviously like, I'm not going to do that, Larry. But Larry is constantly in that point of, I don't deserve to be alive because I am more harmed than I am good in the world at this point. Um oh, like honestly like in terms of how i like to interact with larry (laughs) honestly it's always about how great larry is (laughs) because larry as a character he is the heart he is everything that in many ways the ways we wish we could connect with other people larry is able to connect larry is able to get out of invisible man his you know, uh, a very tragic past, which, um, like... Comparatively, he's pretty privileged. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, like, going back to Larry, I love Larry's desire to be every... Like, not just be everybody's friend, but be their confidant. Because Larry really respects and understands what what the rest of the group is going through. If anyone understands what it's like to be an outcast, you know, Larry has to deal with fact that he's you know living his life as sort of a ticking time bomb yeah and you know the rest of us you know our characters can definitely understand that you know that's the interesting thing that really makes larry different from everybody else is all the unique things about all the other characters are sort of who they are at their core Mm -hmm. like invisible man 
Hannah followed his own path, but made an invisible emotep that's kind of enveloped in his culture as this sort of like magic with the scrolls and everything. Mary was born into being this Frankenstein monster, and then Phantom is just wonderfully Phantom. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> delightfully French. He would well, never have it any other way. Let's just say that if I ever do meet Victor Frankenstein, I was like, I didn't ask to be born, Dad! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Said every millennial ever! Yeah, exactly! Oh my god, it's like literally, it's like all those memes were like, what am I still doing here? I'm not having a good time! <laughs> if you think about it, what was where? What was Frankenstein written? 18... 1800s. 18, it was written right. in 1880X. Yeah. yeah. 1880X. I'll take that. And, and of course, you have to remember Mary Shelley is, is 18 years old. Yeah. yeah. And also 1818. the daughter of... Oh. Mm-hmm. Even and earlier. also the daughter of the first feminist. Yes. Mm. And also had the misfortune of having Lord Byron as a friend. Yeah. True facts. Which makes me laugh because I think of Phantom as like Lord Byron. <laughs> How dare you? You couldn't understand the suffering. <laughs> okay, well. He's clearly Oscar Wilde. Yeah. There it is. Thank you. I've been trying to figure it out because there are so many, quote, bad boys. Of the bad Well, don't give away my whole section yet. Let's wrap up on Larry. (laughs) Yeah, quickly, quickly. Um, But yeah, so I was going to pick up from is like Larry feels like his affliction is something so separate to him of it almost feels like almost a parasite latching onto him of just something of like, this is something that is not me controlling my life, puppeting me around and then exploding and just destroying everything I've tried to build for myself. And going through all the classic movies, because at this point, I have watched every movie that has Lon Chaney Jr. in it as a wolfman. Beautiful. Works of art. I adore them. (laughs) But the idea of a werewolf is so desperately tragic of just this normal guy who then can't settle down and create any connections anywhere because then one night a month or in these movies who knows, who knows how many nights a month uh, whenever plot convenient exactly yeah. in one movie it's like five nights um, just goes and destroys everyone and everything he holds dear so even though I've got lots of wonderful moments where I can play Larry just kind of this goofy very impulsive smart in his own unique way kind of guy I love that he is so tragically sorrowful and deep down beneath it all and he's trying to repair that a little bit by being, if he can't heal himself, try and heal the other people around yeah. him. Dean Dark, a comedy horror podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. There is a designated time at the beginning of each episode where the characters all talk about their we feelings. We love talk about we your feelings about time. Your feelings. It's yeah. my favorite. Have, that's true. We do have a lot of good and talk then, about feelings time. And then, time. as much as I may have other priorities. <laughs> Dan's like, okay, you guys done? Okay, let's get on with the story. Yeah. God. Yeah. So, and Jack growth. takes up the most time. Jack is the most prolific with his desire. Speaking of Jack, oh. let's go to Phantom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great retreat. <laughs> Hello, everyone. The comedy is bad. <laughs> All right, comic relief character, go for it. I'm Aaron. I play the Phantom of the Opera. Our bard. <laughs> for those of you who are wondering about Aaron as the Phantom, that's just how Aaron is. That's just Aaron. <laughs> not the mean part. Not the mean part. Just, just the funny, just the funny ridiculous part. Not the mean part. Just no, the no, funny no. bits. Just the funny bits. Only the funny bits. Yes. yes. Less of an asshole, exactly as dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> so, like we said earlier, this is the first time all of us have been in the in one place at one time. I was fortunate enough to meet our glorious dungeon master and our wolf man prior to this, but the second I met Aaron, I'm like, oh yeah. Oh yeah, you're definitely, <laughs> definitely the type of person I thought you would be. IRL. <laughs> that could be a good thing. That could be the worst possible thing. <laughs> Let me clarify, it is a good thing. Okay. Good. <laughs> I can't remember how much people volunteered on their own before, but there were prompting <laughs> questions to help out for some of them. Um. Well, I'll because I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna jump in and say everything I love about all these characters. Because one thing Larry and I have in common is just I love every single character here. Oh, 
please do. So yes, I will fluff your ego. The thing that I really enjoy about the Phantom is because- Was the way you bled after I stabbed you. <laughs> Just rivulets. Rivulets everywhere. Um, well, we know you're our group's heel. We absolutely adore you for that. You're just the funniest character here. But those small little precious moments that you really let the vulnerability of the Phantom come through, since you hold on to them so tightly when they finally shine through, they're such precious little moments that really like I obsess over. Like yeah. those moments where Phantom was of course drunk and so he's got the wonderful excuse for that. But he brings out this really tender moment when it's the three best friends, TM. Um, and he prestidigitates a photo of them of just both my character and me. Like, I was tearing up on the other side because I was like, holy cow, I don't even think Aaron or Phantom realizes how special a gift he just created in this moment. Uh, and then um, there's one moment later on where I won't get into too much details because it's way into spoiler territory, where um, we're making an observation about Emotep likes to upgrade his look a lot. But um, Larry and Mary were both kind of like, that's a little uh, not great on the eyes. And Phantom just had a moment where he's like, mm, you're judging someone by their looks. How awful of you. <laughs> just kind of to himself off to the side. And I'm like, Damn, are we seeing some like character depth to Phantom right now? I promise Ew. you won't. <laughs> <laughs> never, never a chance in the world. If Aaron's editing, then you won't notice that. <laughs> He'll delete that. You'll never hear it. He'll delete it right out of the episode. You better enjoy it here. It's already gone from history. <laughs> Don't worry, I have final say on the edits. <laughs> Dan will fish it back out. But there's just so much wonderful, like preciously locking keyed. Uh, vulnerabilities of the Phantom that I'm like, I don't know what we'll be able to see from it, but I'm sure Aaron's going to cook right. up some very impressive stuff. Well, I hope that Carmilla can reveal some more because <gasps> yes. every time she takes a sip of blood from somebody, she learns something new about them. Mm -hmm. So who knows? Maybe uh, the Phantom might be more delicious. But also, I had a question. Oh, In... shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you got to do actual work now. <laughs> How do you see uh, the potential future? Like maybe, maybe end game stuff. Uh, how do you think things are going to play out for Phantom? Okay, so I'm not going to ask because the answer is no. I'm going to go further under the hood than I know I'm supposed to. Go for it. Oh. When I was recruited, I have never played a D&D uh, session before. Completely new to the whole concept. But uh, Dan came to me because we've known each other a very long time. Yeah. And I have a performance background. We've performed together. We have good chemistry. We're familiar with each other. There was not a plan yet. <laughs> Straight nothing. So when I picked that character, he was like, oh, you'll be great. That's a good character for you. I haven't really figured out what his motivations are going to be yet or anything, but I'm sure we'll hammer that out. Yeah. I did not hear anything before the pilot was recorded. So with no guidance whatsoever, I figured that my one task in life was to make everyone else's lives harder. <laughs> And I think I've done splendidly. So as far as end game goes, uh, I have a character that I, I know. I'm familiar, of course, with the Phantom of the Opera from theater history. And and I've read the character sheet and I, I know what my freedoms are and what my, and what my limits are. Uh, so I know who the character is, but as far as where the plot propels him, right. as yet completely undecided. All I know is that he's exceedingly petty and I've got like one or two people who I will be exacting <laughs> revenge acts upon. So that's what I've got. Now that being said, I do have a long-term plan for Phantom as of now. Okay. What you have given me has kind of bollied me up a really good spike late game. So you're saying he gets a Glock. <laughs> Only if Larry gets a pistol, damn it, it's in the third movie. <laughs> So what I'm saying is you can't die until I let you get your character arc. Oh god. If you do, everyone plot armor. Because right, right now I was just saying that if 
we're going through Larry's story arc right now. Afterwards, since his story's done, quotation marks. I see, Dan. You're trying to get rid of me. That's why I went first. <laughs> <laughs> so now there's no longer plot armor for Right. Larry. You're like, get this guy out of here. Oh, 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 oh. I, I see, I see. If you're asking, no, I don't have plans for uh, Jack to be around long term. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> As far as plot armor goes, if you die, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was my own fault. I will be very upset at you if you die. Yeah. I'll Even though I best. know it will be my fault. <laughs> well, let's just say the one time I was in death saves, I was sweating bullets. Because <laughs> every time death saves happens, I'm like, yeah, I always get scared. But I do have a long-term plan for Phantom's character arc, just given what you've served me up. Yeah, and yes. if if I may, one of the things I also absolutely love about playing with Aaron as Phantom of the Opera. Oh, please do! Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Dan. I have to fluff his ego up a little bit more. I apologize. It's okay. We'll knock it down later. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's really? okay. He'll roll enough nat ones. <laughs> Didn't you tell us off mic saying that Aaron has rolled the most nat ones? <laughs> yep, without question, I can say with full confidence that Aaron has rolled more nat ones than anyone else on the team. <laughs> and Ben has rolled more nat 20s what? than oh, anyone else on the team. Oh, the nat oh, Dude, during the Vordenberg fight oh, alone, yeah. you rolled like five. I did. That's why That's why my inflated dumbass decided so. I just thought, <laughs> I was the MVP of that fight. After re-listening that episode, I was like, ooh, I really need to tone down that ego. A little bit. <laughs> my God. But I did love yeah. how everyone else took it up. It was like, I was the true MVP of that fight. <laughs> Speaking of, though, you were saying your favorite thing. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So we tangent. Um, so one of my favorite things is about the, the the chemistry between you and I as players, but also between our characters. Yeah, yeah. Because you have Mary Frankenstein, who is reviled because he looks hideous, whereas you have the Phantom of the Opera, who looks 10 out of 10, dressed to the nines, Dogious. every step of the way with this gorgeous porcelain mask. And I am still so thankful that the dice gods blessed me when I rolled that high roll to get that perception to see what was a little bit underneath it. So I get reason from the masks that you're also hiding something and that you have, essentially it's creating a, a facade. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And even all the funny bits you say of when we're playing, like, oh, I want this music to play. I want this to go oh, in, even though yeah, I am yeah, not yeah. very classically musically. I've fun. made it work so far. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. So when I re-listen to these episodes, I'm like, oh, I do know that song. Yeah. And it's just the way that, I believe all of us have come from some Florida theater background in some way, nope. shape or form. Well, performative, you and I did radio together. Yeah. That's true, you are in radio. So some for some sort of performance, like I was a theater kid in high school as well. So seeing you take the showman energy and just amp it up as far as the knock, like if it was set to 11, you'd force that shit to 13. Yeah. <laughs> what, what is this, I love playing with you guys, well, all of you, I love playing with all of you. It's a highlight of my week every time we get together. Yeah. No, but this is me though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But also, it's just how you, it's how you take, it's how you're able to just like take like a, a horrible fight we're in and you turn it into some glorious theatrical production. Yeah. Like just like in our very first fight with Vornberg, you just slam on the organ to try to literally bring down the house. You know what's so funny about that is that Carmilla almost climbed up the organ. Really? Oh. Get a better vantage point, but I didn't do it. Bad. That would have been so bad. Yeah, I know it would have been. It would have been blasted <laughs> all that sucker. Okay, Aaron, now I'm done fluffing your ego. Okay, mm -hmm. we're done fluffing Aaron's ego. <laughs> now, um, I'll let the two of you fight it out. So between um, Janae and Grayson, the two of you fight to see who goes first. I quit. Rock, paper, scissors, <laughs> let's go. Oh, you win. Crazy Grayson. Okay. Oh, man, that means we gotta hear from Emotip again. Oh, God, yeah, one more time. <laughs> All right, so, Grayson. Uh, so I'll talk about Grayson's character for him. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Please, by so, all means. So uh, Grayson stabs people. He's Savvy McStabberson. That is her, her, his, his character trait. All the way through, he stabs people, and he's in- Spoilers, he even stabs poor Larry. How could he? <laughs> oh, Monster. Yes. He stabs people Larry. and stabs gets Larry. naked. <laughs> and gets naked. Right. you like to try to describe your character? All right, now? let's hear from the streaker. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Grayson. <laughs> 
I play Jack Griffin, the Invisible Man, basically a resident streaker. Um, I mean, he kind of comes from a very scientific and practical background to where it's just kind of like, he doesn't know anything about magic, the occult, or anything like that, doesn't know any monster shit because he comes from the Americas, oddly enough. Um, Dude, what foreign land is I that? I know, right? That Nowhere is... near English. Okay, now that I know that you come from America, I just want you to throw come in on one day and you just go, America! Well, that's the thing, thing is, is um, <laughs> like the rest of the characters are British. I, I, um, I talk the Invisible Man. French-ish. French-ish. Uh, the Invisible Man I'm comes Welsh-ish. from... Thank you. He comes from U.S.-ish. <laughs> U.S. and now, Grayson, I actually have a question. Yes. Obviously. This is yeah. your segment. Yeah. yeah. This is your, it's sorry. your segment. That's we, right. I, for, I forgot about that. <laughs> I'm, used, I'm used to being unseen here. <laughs> We've had a, a, a textured relationship. Yes. Uh, so far. Sure. Uh, I was wondering Pointy. how it feels to be one of the one of the heels of the party. Because I feel like yeah. I'm able to deflect quite a bit with the funny bits, and I always conceptualized Phantom as being sort of uh, uh, an antagonistic figure. But since we've been at odds, uh, as I gather, uh, allies, it puts you in sort of an awkward position sometimes. Yeah. In opposition. I was wondering how uh, that feels, how you navigate that. Uh, uh, With his backstory, um, he's always been a solo act. Jack's just trying to figure out, like, okay, well, I'm not used to getting this much attention, because... Again, like, he's invisible, so no one ever really sees him. It, and, like, there's a mixture of him slightly enjoying the, um, the attention, but then also the fact that, like, he has to always remind himself, we don't like each other. We don't like each other. <laughs> so then it's kind of like, okay, well, Phantom's always got to have the final word. And it's like, okay, well, you know what? Sure, let's let him have the final word and let's let him assume the position of lead man, but we know that the man behind the scenes is the one is going to kind of direct the flow of everything. You're telling me you're inclined to like Phantom? As the player. (laughs) As the player, yes, because I do enjoy the way that you play him. And then as the invisible man- The smuggest look on him. Exactly. I know. As, as the character, Jack is very suspicious of basically everybody, especially, funny enough, Larry, because Larry's so good, and Jack's just kind of like, no one is ever this good. Like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> so it's kind of like he, like, he feels probably the most comfortable with Emotep just because he, like, Emotep plays exactly the way that he would imagine. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and then when you see a skeleton you think that thing shouldn't be talking and it's not so hey basically <laughs> so and then he he's already interacted with phantom so it's kind of like okay we don't like each other i get it i should not expect any help from you so it's up to me and then he has mary to where it's kind of like okay he's a giant hunking wall of meat yeah I'm going to basically do what I can to put that thing in front of me between the dangers so that way I don't have to do anything. But then all of a sudden, Larry is there, and it's kind of like... Most of it. You're way too good. Why are you here? I don't know. And it's just, <laughs> I so, showed up one day. <laughs> so that, and then, well, I, I feel like if I stick with Larry, then I'm going to run into the person that sent Larry... And then I'm going to learn more information. Basically, like, he doesn't know anything about this shit. So whenever there's, like, an explanation of a spell or something like that, you can usually assume that Jack is either taking notes in his notebook that he constantly pulls out and he's, like, putting something in there. Or, I mean, essentially, like, it's kind of his observations about whatever is going on at the moment. But early on, Jack was more along the lines of, how can I use all of these people so that way I survive? And that was his whole motivation. So, but as we move on, things could change. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I'll say, kind of piggybacking off of that, as a DM, Jack has been an extremely important character for me because he was, especially initially, such a fish-out-of-water character who's a really good agent for audience perspective and a really good excuse for me to explain how this world works and how the lore works. Because while a lot of it is borrowed from 
D&D in terms of like mechanics and some lore things, I've taken quite a lot of liberties with how this world is structured and how everything works, especially since um, even though we are borrowing a fair amount from Forgotten Realms lore, it is like if you really squint at it and turn your head upside down, (laughs) it is kind of sort of barely our world. So I'm kind of using that as a launching point while um, kind of developing everything into its own separate lore and universe. So there's a lot of things that we kind of take in a unique direction and having a character like Jack being more or less a normal person, a very intelligent person with means and with very special skills, but still of the team, he and Phantom are the most like a normal person. And he really does provide a very unique opportunity to bring the more sciencey side of things into the equation. It's really he and the Frankenstein monster are really the two characters that are the most science oriented. Everything else leans a lot more heavily into the magic or the supernatural or paranormal, especially with the way that a lot of the undead or vampiric characters come into it. We really lean a lot into paranormal lore and really kind of bring magic in kind of tangentially to that, which uh, is a good way to transition back to Carmilla. (laughs) Hello. Yes. So, Janae, you've avoided it long enough. Time to talk about yourself. God damn it. I was hoping if I was quiet, I wouldn't have to say it. You're not invisible. <laughs> D- uh, Janae, Janae, with your laughter, honey. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you were not going to be quiet. That's a good start. Listen, says Daniel, who is probably... I've had evil, I've had, like, quality of laugh. I've My two favorites. Six drinks. I'm pretty into... Uh, you're flushed. My fl- I, yeah, I'm a little flushed. Yeah, I was about uh, to talk to you about that. Can you please stop biting me? <laughs> I mean, I know I got some good blood, but, but seriously. so many delicious pieces of meat. <laughs> hey, I mean, stay in your lane. That's my throne. Get out of here. Get the fuck out of here, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yes. yes, I'm so happy I'm not alone in hating war. <laughs> There's no reason for us to all hate Orlock, but for some reason, deep in my core, I just The reason why nobody likes him is because Dan decided to make him a giant spider. (laughs) That's true. Speak for yourself. Orlock is like my favorite. And not only that, it just kind of made, as a player, when he comes up to me, he's like, you have so much blood. I was like, uh, I don't know if you want, but you you, you see the stitches, right? Yeah. And I think the last time I talked to you I mean, from a metagame perspective, I made an entire mechanic. I am damn well gonna use no, it. No, you, I have to say, because I asked you about, um, like, feeding my blood to Carmilla, and you were like, I don't know, it was like, that might not be give the result you want. I'm like, oh? Because I didn't realize I had dead man's blood. Yes. I knew that was a construct, but since I was alive, but since I'm made of a bunch of different body parts, I'm like, that makes sense. And the fact that every time a vampire bites into dead man, gets dead man's blood, they get some random effect, and the fact that one of those effects could is not just could it is them turning into a giant freaking oh spider, a la eight legged freaks. I'm like, oh boy, because the first time it was just like him yelling at us. Yeah. <laughs> that was like he's okay, a loud talker. Oh well, we'll deal with. We it. Can, yeah, exactly. We can deal with that. <laughs> giant spider is on the spectrum, so now I'm like, I don't even want to know what's the rest of it. Due to our trial yeah, run, I didn't like, want to know. We played like a tutorial game to get everyone used to the mechanics, but in that moment I decided Larry is terrified of spiders and ghosts. Since, so, <laughs> since there was this man who already icked him out because the idea of him and his voice and he just really wants some blood already icked me as a player out. The fact that he then like his body contorted and twisted into the spider form that then started attacking people. I was like, no! <laughs> He's horrifying! Red shape. One of the other I can't believe you're all talking during Carmilla's turn. Oh my god. Unbelievable. <laughs> anyway, back to Carmilla. Okay. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I love how all of us just we all just look at her and she's like, oh no. 
How did you? Uh, okay. How did you end up joining? Because I know that uh, Dan reached out to me personally, knowing yeah. my skill so set. I actually, I was actually the nun in Dan and Grayson's uh, for uh, their. Uh, yeah, one of their college it classes. It was, um, there was a film project <laughs> in one of the classes that Grayson was in. I was assisting with it, and so was Janae. So we met very briefly where we were both doing a scene from the Blues Brothers. Mm. Yes. Were you the penguin? And I was the nun. Uh, yeah, the penguin, right? The penguin. Yeah. Yes, the penguin. And I um, scared the shit out of Dan. By slapping the uh, the ruler very very close to his hands, and he pulled them up to his chest, and I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> it's just called good improv. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've known Grayson's for a number of years. Grayson's. Grayson's. I've I've had seven drinks. <laughs> and and I think she's getting another right now. I moment. am. Grayson's getting Grayson's. another drink. Grayson, you're an enabler. As we're angling towards Abe, what's your opinion of Phantom? Hi. I Hi, yes. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, so I'll talk about everybody. Um, so I I love Phantom and Phantom's um in particular his vocabulary is so wide and descriptive. And it really <laughs> makes me happy because as a child, I used to read the dictionary. Thank you, darling. Um, I used to read the dictionary as if it were my friend. <laughs> and I, no, really, I had sorry, friends. Just the way that you were I was just that. like, you read your friends. Yeah. Um, friend is right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I had no friends until I was in eighth grade. <laughs> And I know that's very shocking. Is that when you got your dictionary? <laughs> Her and Daniel's laugh are the most precious thing in the world. I remember there's, I don't remember what episode, but there's one laugh where Daniel goes off giggling and he sounds like Tigger. And it, <laughs> it warms my heart. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that is special right now. Hold on, hold on. I think we've seen way too long. We have to talk about Phantom real quick. You know, thank you, thank you. Sorry, you don't laugh like Tigger, so, so you missed out that point. <laughs> And with that, oh let's go ahead and bring this to a close. So, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us for whatever the hell this was. <laughs> this was just the players just getting around and just having a good time. Yeah. With drinks. Yeah. This is just a little bit of a retrospective to bring us into the new year and bring us into the new round of episodes. So, if you enjoyed this, thank you, and I'm sorry. Go to our subreddit. <laughs> go to our subreddit. Go to our subreddit. Hey, Danger Dangers again. Just wanted to say one last time, a sincere and heartfelt thank you from myself and from the rest of the cast for uh, joining us for this little retrospective and for joining us through our first couple of months and first 10 episodes. We really appreciate each and every one of you. We wish you all a happy new year. Hope you enjoy 2023 and hope you enjoy more D&Dark going forward. Thanks again and have a happy new year. <laughs>